Okay, enough of that. Now, uh, remember last week we ended with that sweet gospel. Sweet, sweet, sweet gospel, right? What? Yeah, and you shall know, this is uh, chapter 20, verse 44, that I am the Lord when I deal with you for my name's sake, not according to your evil ways, not, or nor according to your corrupt deeds, O house of Israel, declares the Lord God. Right? And, and he's going to bring you to loathe yourselves. <laughs> right? For the evils that you've committed. In other words, to repentance, right? And God's not going to remember you based off your evil deeds. If that's not good news, as far as Ezekiel is concerned so far, <laughs> that's as good news as you're going to hear for a while yet. <laughs> that's pretty good. Now, there is a dispute about um, the chapter divisions. So we ended on chapter, verse 44 because in the, Eng the English Bible follows the Vulgate. But um, the Hebrew Bible and the, and the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible actually begins chapter 21 at verse 45. So you see at the top I wrote 20, verse 45 to 2132, MT 21, 1 to 37. You know what MT stands for? Any, we got some smart people. Come on, you didn't learn that in school? What are we paying for? I'm sure I did. Mm. <laughs> this is good coffee. That's from Kenya. They're the same. Yeah, they're the same. Uh, MT stands for Masoretic Text from the Masoretes. So that's the uh, most of what we consider, what we call the Hebrew Bible, is a copy from about 1000 AD from the, a group of people called the Masoretes. Masoretes. Whereas the Greek Old Testament, we have copies from first century or even before, actually. So anyway, they begin a new chapter here. Now, it's been a while since we talked about it, and we have some guests, so we might as well remind you that there's a formula to the, what we called oracles. There's a formula. And so the formula here, you can tell, you know you're starting a new oracle, a new section, because it says, the word of the Lord came to me. The word of the Lord came to me. So there's the word that he's going to speak, and then there's the event that follows the word. The word pro prophesies an event, and then the event happens. The word event formula, you might call it. All right? And so that you tells us. Know that I am the Lord. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the conclusion. I mean, it's all it always ends there. Yeah. You will know that I am the Lord. <laughs> Whether you like it or like it not. As uh, Franzman says in uh, Preach yeah. Ye the Word. All right. So um, we're going to break it up into four oracles because each one starts with the word of the Lord came to me. Make sense? But they do, they do all tie together. And you can see the headings. Uh, the first one is the riddle of the sword and its interpretation. Then it's what's called universally called the song of the sword, which is cool. That'd be a good name for a Disney movie. Or is that song of the South or what's the thing with the sword? Sword in the stone. Yeah. It's kind of a mashup of Disney movie titles. Then the historical activity of the sword and its consequences. And then finally, the last oracle, the return of the sword to its scabbard. So you have the sword being this. Um, combination of things. Uh, it's a, like a physical sword, a sword that's wielded. Um, in the second oracle, which is the Song of the Sword, it like is its own person, which is interesting. Uh, and then the sword metaphorically is, is actually the, the arm or might of God, right? Which he exercises by way of earthly kings. In the case here, I'm going to argue Babylon. And then, um, yeah, obviously the sword becomes kind of an object again, goes back in its scabbard. Which, mean, which is then an illustration of God withdrawing the force of his might, his wrath and anger against people. Put the sword in its scabbard, right? Um, by the way, you know, I learned this from Pastor Riley. I think we did a couple weeks 
a long time ago where we talked about warfare images in the Bible. Did we do that? You don't remember that? Uh, I was going to do it. I guess I never did it. But one of them is meekness. You've heard that word meek, to be meek? It's a, it has a military connotation. Did you know that? Yeah. It means to keep one's sword sheathed. So to be meek is to not draw the sword. Oh. Yeah. Which kind of changes the idea. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It means they don't draw the sword. And, right? The disciples, put your sword back in its sheath. Right? Didn't Jesus say that in the garden? Right. My king, we don't fight with that sword. We fight with the word. Right? And actually, it's the Lord who fights for us, as we sang in Mighty Fortress, right? Yeah, he fights through his word. All right, good. So that's a little bit of an introduction. Four, un- four oracles united by the common subject of the sword. Uh, oh, the word sword here, chareb, which you wanted to say? Chareb, right? It's really easy when you got all the post-nasal drip, right, Anne? Chareb, you can get that going. It's a good way to clear your throat. They probably, maybe they had chronic post-nasal drip, and that's why they put all the, yeah, I don't know. Um, 15 times in this chapter alone, 90 times in Ezekiel, which is far more than anybody else. (laughs) So he loves it. Um, I think the third oracle indicates that this is somewhere between 586 and 585, maybe. Each oracle with the word event formula. Oh, there it is. The word of Yahweh came to me, followed by commands to do something. All right, and then the progression. Yahweh himself wields the sword in the first oracle. Second oracle, the sword seems to act independently. I already said this. Third, Yahweh gives the sword to his agent to act for him. In that case, Nebuchadnezzar. You think, whoa, God uses earthly kings? Yeah, that's why he says, be wise, O earth, or kings. And then, four, the sword is returned to its sheath. Um, the language is poetic, and so this is a quote from a commentary. Uh, with repetitions, exclamations, choppy staccato constructions, incomplete and garbled sentences, unusual forms, absence of rhythm, and puzzling motifs. Which means we don't have to spend weeks on it um, because most of, a lot of people are like, we don't know what this means. Yeah. And if you were trying to read it in Hebrew, it's even worse than English. But it's poetry. I mean, have you ever read poetry? It's usually um, somewhat, not obtuse, but opaque. Is that the right word? You, you can't quite, it's not always entirely clear what the poet's talking about. But that's what makes poetry compelling, right? Is you're like, you read it and you're like, wow, that's really incredible. And then you're like, but what does it mean? And then you read it again. You know? Like uh, the one that does that for me is uh, T.S. Eliot. You know T.S. Eliot? Mid 20th century, Roman Catholic. Incredible stuff, English. Um, or maybe he was Anglican then. I thought he was Roman Catholic. Anyway, uh, really profound stuff. The Wasteland is the one to read. T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland. And you're like, I know you're talking about now, but you're also talking, you know, World War II era, but I'm not really sure what else is going on here. And that's the beauty of poetry, right? Not hymnody, by the way. Hymnody is clear. This is the wasteland. Is that a poem? Uh-huh. It's an epic poem, you know, long form. What is another epic poem? The Song of the Mariner? Or the Rhyme of the Mariner? Ancient Rhyme of the Mariner? You know that one? Yeah. Some pe- a lot of people memorize that. Grade school. Did you? Yeah, high school? Yeah. Right. So this is in that form, but they don't format it that way. Only for the song part, 8 to 17. Okay. All right. So where were we? Let's read. That's what we should do. So let's read the first oracle. And the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, set your face for the southland. Preach against the south and prophesy against the forest land in the Negev. Say to the forest of the Negev, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, 
Behold, I will kindle a fire in you, and it shall devour every green tree in you, and every dry tree. The blazing flame shall not be quenched, and all faces from south to north shall be scorched by it. All flesh shall see it, that I, the Lord, have kindled it, it shall not be quenched. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, they are saying of me, Is he not a maker of parables? <laughs> yeah. So um, that's Ezekiel's comment, right? Is this a parable? And that's it. Uh, now, this, this has bothered a lot of people, this parable, if you like. You want to call it? I mean, Ezekiel calls it a parable or a riddle. Uh, so what's going on here? The Negev is the desert to the south of Israel, Jerusalem and, and Judah. Um, now, when we get to the third article, hopefully we get there eventually, um, this is where when Nebuchadnezzar comes in that third oracle, which is explicit about him, he's got the choice to either go to the north and conquer Jerusalem or go against the Ammonites who have conspired with Jerusalem against Babylon. So he's at a crossroads and he has to pick which way he's going to go. And it's in the Negev, which is, in other words, it's what they call the desert. Um, and the Ammonites and Judah have conspired with Egypt. You remember we talked about this in some other chapter. Had conspired against Babylon. The king's, king was Zedekiah. He was the puppet king that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But then he conspires against Nebuchadnezzar with Egypt. This is just kingdom stuff, right? I mean, this happens all the time. It's like, you know, it's Putin's war and he's conspiring with, with Z against, I don't know, whatever. It, the same thing, right? Alliances. Um, you know, we fight, what? Stalin is an ally and then, then he's not an ally anymore. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> well, he murdered a bunch of people. That part of the reason. All right. So that's what we're talking about. The Negev is that region. But here, the, the riddle or the parable is that God's going to ignite a fire there and it's going to sweep to the north. All right. Well, we know that's Jerusalem, that's Judah. And we've already heard many times that uh, Ezekiel has prophetically spoken from Babylon of the final destruction of Judah. He's part of the some of those initial groups of exiles. There's still some people back with the puppet king. But, but finally, Nebuchadnezzar loses, loses patience with that guy even and just wipes the place out, destroys the temple, takes everybody into exile except for a few um, to maintain the farmland, presumably. All right, so that's what he's talking about here. It's a riddle, but I, we know historically what we're talking about. Again, 586, roughly. And uh, one of the things that bothers, bothers people about this, the commentaries I read, is that um, it's devouring everybody. Green trees, clearly righteous, and dry trees that can't bear fruit, right? So unbelievers, if you like, righteous and unrighteous, believers and unbelievers, will be scorched by it. All flesh shall see that the Lord kindled it. All right. This bugs people because they're like, God would not destroy his righteous people. He would only destroy the unrighteous, right? His wrath and anger doesn't go out against, you know, the righteous people. It reminds me of um, Abraham interceding on behalf of Sodom, right? With Lot, you know, on behalf of, you know, if there's 50 righteous, will you spare the city? Yes, I'll spare the city. Now, I don't remember the numbers, right? But 30, 10, 20, whatever it is, down to 10, I think. And finally, it's only Lot and his wife and two daughters, two daughters. Yeah. And then of course his wife turns back. So it's just the three. Um, so this bugs us because, I mean, this happens all the time with, with the way that we experience God's wrath in earthly judgment. It's like, like I was mentioning to you yesterday with um, something that people don't talk about is that when we dropped the bomb on Nagasaki and Hiroshima, those two islands had the highest concentrations of Christians in all of Japan. That's where the Christian remnant was. Yeah, we bombed Christians, predominantly. 
we don't talk about that. Yeah. Well, it's like, well, but we had to stop the war. We had to bomb islands. Why those two islands? I don't know. I don't know the history. But, I mean, that's an interesting part of the, isn't that an interesting part of it? I don't think it was, I don't know that it was intentional. I have no idea. Um, but the point is, like, the war had to be stopped, but there's collateral damage in a sense. Now, as Christians, we're like, yeah, so they lost their life. But they have the promise of the resurrection and life everlasting. Jesus will restore them on the last day. So, yes, they were lost and they died, but they're not, they didn't die without hope. Right? So it's a different kind of grieving for the death of Christians just as a consequence of, of the wrath of God upon the sinful world than it is upon the unbelievers, which we have a different kind of mourning for them because they die outside of faith. Right, and their judgment is, is is severe in the in the life to come. Yeah, so and that's what's going on here, right? I mean, it's just going to wipe everybody out. And remember, Jesus, we talked about I think last week or the week before. What did he say when he prophesied the destruction of Jerusalem by Rome, which happens so that the same thing happens again later? What did he say? Woe to you, mothers, nursing infants, you flee to the mountains, right? Well, you can't move very quick when you got a nursing infant, right, Ann? She doesn't let you go. Like, she, yeah, you're stuck to the couch. Bye. She's not going, clearly. She does not want to go with you. <laughs> Patrick, can you scoot over? Can you scoot over a chair? Just go over one chair. All right, never mind. I won't get involved. You can figure it out. Uh, did we say anything else on the sheet? Oh, uh, yes. This is actually has a technical name. It's called a merism. I don't know what, it, what the stem is. I actually didn't take the time to look it up. But it's, it's when, when God's judgment is just meted out against a whole nation or a whole group of people, righteous and unrighteous alike. Right? And this is something that we do well to, um, to heed is that that uh, God will, will ju- he judges the nations of the earth. Like he's going to judge our nation for our rebellion against his word. And, you know, I want, on the one hand, we kind of pray like, um, which king was it that was, God promised he would die, but then, or that, that his sons would rebel, but he's like, well, thank God it's not me. We had that in Ezekiel already, right? Back in chapter 18. So, I mean, that seems like most people's prayers just, if it's going to happen, just let it be after I die. <laughs> But then you're like, well, now you're wishing it upon your children and grandchildren. So, I don't know. There's like no way to escape that judgment. You don't know when it's going to come, but you know it is going to come. He judges all nations. Um, and ultimately on the last day. And, and that, those, that proclamation of Jesus, woe to you. I mean, that's hard to hear, but it's true. You, know? you don't want to be around when it happens. Um, yes, you do. You want to you know, be taken into resurrection. But. I mean, you say people are um, uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The righteous and the un- yeah, the green trees and the dry trees, yeah. Would it not be true then that the righteous presumably have faith in the resurrection? Right. right. And yes, they die, right. but don't get them Yes, last two sentences of the second paragraph, or three sentences. And what of the destruction of the wicked? Even if believers must die with Christ on the cross, no wonder... Those still outside the pale must be annihilated, at least of their, in their old identity. According to his, verse 6, Ezekiel's hearers are dismissive and do not take him seriously. Thus, the prophecy of destruction refers to Jerusalem. Right? But yes, we die, but we daily, we heard in the sermon Wednesday, was it this Wednesday? 
Yeah, that we all, I mean, this is what it means to be a Christian. To go the way of Jesus is to go to his cross and to die with him. Daily dying and rising, the language of baptism. It's like, who wants that? Well, that is the way. This is the way. Yeah, this is the way. It's to die with Christ so that we'd be raised with him. Um, so, again, quoting Franzman again with Preachy the Word. Oh, what of that? Oh, what of that? Right? Talking about the seed and the sower. All right. Oh, that's probably good on that. Oh, then I said, I got, they say of me, does he not speak in parables? So it's actually Ezekiel's hearers that are the ones saying, isn't this just a riddle? Yeah. But as we, we, we know what happens. And so it's pretty clear what's going on here. All right. Keep going. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, set his face toward Jerusalem and preach against the sanctuaries. Prophesy against the land of Israel and say to the land of Israel, thus says the Lord, behold, I am against you and will draw my sword from its sheath, and will cut off from you both righteous and wicked. Because I will cut off from you both righteous and wicked, therefore my sword shall be drawn from its sheath against all flesh, from south to north. And all flesh shall know that I am the Lord. I have drawn my sword from its sheath. It shall not be sheathed again. Huh. As for you, son of man, groan with working heart and bitter grief, groan before their eyes. And when they say to you, why do you groan? You shall say, because of the news that is coming. Hmm. Every heart will melt, and all hands will be feeble. Every spirit will faint, and all knees will be weak as water. Behold, it is coming, and it will be fulfilled, declares the Lord God. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so there's some gospel in there, right? <laughs> Preach toward Jerusalem and against the sanctuaries. Right, remember, we're not talking about the temple. We're talking about... Every high place, right, where they're making sacrifices. Yeah. Which, remember, this, this is something we always want to forget, is that the wrath of God is meted out against unbelievers. Not because they're immoral, but because they're unbelievers. They're wicked in terms of the gods they worship, the idols, right? I mean, yes, they're immoral too, but they're only immoral because they have a different word. Okay. So... Uh, this is the same kind of challenge that people have with the, with the annihilation of, of the Canaanites by Joshua, right? The angel or commander of the Lord's, Lord's army, second person of the Trinity, is out in front, and he's just, they're just wiping out everybody. Why? Because they refuse to believe. They're like, well, that's not fair. Well, God's patience is but for a moment, right? But a steadfast love is for a lifetime, <laughs> Right? So you see, the, you see the, the armies coming and you flee to the mountains, right? Or you repent and say, Lord, have mercy on me. And even if they take your life, as Luther said, and you sang today, take they, goods, fame, child, and wife, though these be gone, the victory's been won, the kingdom ours remaineth. Right? So again, that's, that has to do with this part that people are really bugged by. You will cut off both the righteous and the wicked. Right? North to south, everything wiped out, all of them. Sounds fair. Um... Yeah, but like we said, again, the problem that people have is like, well, what about the believers that get caught up in it? Well, what of that? Yeah, what of that? I mean, it's sad, but I mean, we're not, we're not, this isn't our eternal dwelling anyway. So if the Lord chooses to take you out through violent means like this, you know, I'm not saying it's pleasant, but it is how it goes. Um, and they, the translator here is just trying to smooth everything out. We don't have to dig into all the details, but you get the idea when you hear it coming, why are you groaning? Because the news, right? And I don't know, you, I mean, you have kind of, 
Is it wrong to groan? Is it wrong to have the feeble knees and be weak as water? You know, is that wrong to respond that way? For the, for the righteous, for the believers. No, it's not. I mean, it's real, right? right? I mean, that's a, that's a godly fear is what it is. The problem is, what are we missing? Do they have, as we said in the psalm, and they cried to the Lord in their distress, and he answered them and saved them? We don't have them crying out to the Lord in their distress, right? Yeah. So we have to impose that, or not impose it, but the righteous, God willing, because of faith, they're going to they're gonna confess to the Lord, save me, right? But, yeah, it's not here. All right, I think we covered that. We already kind of covered it before, didn't we? With the riddle of the sword. Now the song of the sword. All right. And the word of the Lord came to me. Who wants to read? Ethan's already read. Uh huh. I'm going to scroll a little bit for you. There you go. So the sword is given to be polished, that it may be grasped in the hand. It is sharpened and polished, be given into the hand of the slayer. Cry out and wail, son of man, for it is against my people. It is against all the princes of Israel. They are given over to the sword with my people. Strength, therefore, upon your thighs. For it will not be attested. What could it do if you despise the God, declares the Lord God. Uh-huh. As for you, son of man, prophesy. Clap your hands and let the sword come down twice. Yes, three times. The sword for those to be slain. It is the sword for the great slaughter which surrounds them, that their hearts may melt and may stumble. Many stumble, yeah. At all their gates I have given the glittering sword, Ah, it is made like lightning, it is taken up for slaughter. But sharpening to the right, set yourself to the left, wherever your face is directed. I also will clap my hands, and I will satisfy my fury. I, the Lord, swole. All right. There's probably some things in there that are a little bit, uh, what, ancient Near East, and a little bit harder to get your head around here. I'm going to show you the King, New King James. You can see how it's set it differently. Ah, so more like a song, right? Yeah. yeah. So that says the Lord, a sword, a sword is sharpened, right? So this sword goes forth and it slays righteous and unrighteous too. So it's like, so the fire and the sword are made analogous. The fire we were just talking about from the Negev, the wildfire. Now it's, now it's likened to a sword as well. Of course, sword and fire, they both bring the same kind of judgment, don't they? Right, so this, this, is, this was an assertion I was going to make for you today. Thanks, Ethan, for reminding me. Um, that the reason why we study Ezekiel. <laughs> All right, it isn't always clear. It's somewhat opaque. It's poetry here, so it's, it's even less opaque. But as, he, as Ethan has pointed out very helpfully, the language of Ezekiel is all over in the, in the Gospels. It's used. The metaphors, the illustrations, Jesus uses. And we've talked about this before, about the green wood and the dry wood. And it's used in Ezekiel. This is now the second time we've heard this. Jesus uses it. He just throws it out casually and then moves on about what I can't remember exactly. It's in, I think it's in Luke's gospel. Uh, if they do this in, when the, in the green wood, what do they do in the dry? 
He just throws that out and then he just moves on. You're like, what is he talking about? Greenwood and drywood? Just one little verse. And he wants you, I've made this suggestion to you, I think he wants you to think back to when that metaphor has been used by the prophets. And the evangelist is like, I'm not going to go quote a big chunk of Ezekiel for you. Right? You need to, <laughs> like in the sermon today, there was about 50 scripture citations, but I didn't tell you where they were from. It's just, it was one after another. I don't know if you caught that. It was just one after another. But I'm not going to tell you where they are. I, as St. Paul writes, ah, da, 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 da. no, just, I just use the language. Right? And that's what Jesus says too. All right. Um, so this, Ethan pointed out, sword of the spirit and fire is connected to the spirit too. Pentecost coming up. Right now, but it's different, right? Is it just death and destruction? Yes, it, it slays the old Adam. It, it's, a, it's a purifying fire, though. It's a refining fire. So that what's left has no dross in it, right? Yeah, would, it, would it be a stretch to say that this fire that the Lord is um, slaying people with mm-hmm. is his word? Well, yeah. Well, so is the sword. Now, this, now the, the word is actually um, anger, might. You know, it's used that way with Nebuchadnezzar. But yes, I mean, that's Paul to Timothy. So I, we, we, the New Testament is telling us God's sword is his word. That's just how he meets out judgment is by his word on Christians. So like the revelation with the sword of Adam's mouth. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the sharp two-edged sword, right? So we use that to, as a metaphor for law and gospel. I think that's right. Right. That the gospel heals, but like a scalpel, right? Where you have to cut out the wound and to, you can't have healing as long as the Injury is present, or the abscess, or whatever you want to call sin. No, no, no metaphor is perfect, but there you go. Right now, I like New King James better. That's why I wanted to switch one because of the the way they said it as poetry. But instead of the rod, you think like thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. I think it's right in translating not as rod but as scepter. So we're referring to who has a scepter, a wooden staff, scepter. Kings, Kings do. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we can spend a lot of time trying to figure out what this means. <laughs> but the, uh, the sword of the Lord despises the scepter of my son as it does all wood. Right? So it just cuts through the kings. And that's why I quoted the psalm, Therefore kings be wise, O rulers of the earth. Right? Because God can cut you down. Or your kingdom, metaphorically. Right? That, that was Johnny Cash again. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, got it. That's, uh, we, we're trying to figure out which... You have to listen to it on the way home. Uh, America, the, what is it? American Songs or whatever that is. Four, I think, is the one you want to listen to. But he did like a series of Americana albums right before he died. Anyway. Um, and he has given it to be polished that it may be handled. The sword is sharpened its polish to be given into the hand of the slayer. So not only is it a sword, but it's a brilliant sword that everyone can see. It's not, it's not rusty or whatever. It's, um, it's like the flaming sword set outside the Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that too. Fire and sword together there. Oh, that's a good point. Um, notice it can be handled. So it is. the sword is going to be given over to someone to use. right? And we talked about that'll be Nebuchadnezzar. But in case we don't get to it, it also, God has brought judgment upon unbelievers. No, Leah, she's telling you to stop. He's brought judgment upon uh, unbelievers or even upon re- repentance upon believers by all sorts of kingdoms in the history of the world. I gave you some examples on here somewhere. The, uh, yeah, the Mongols, the Huns, the Vandals, the Goths, the Vikings, you know, uh, and I you probably should have included the Muslims too, which aren't a people group, but a religious group. Uh, the, 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 even more, even more recent. the woke. The, or, no, 
the Nazis. The Nazis. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, like the world war for repentance, all wars. Yeah. 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 We don't have to like it, but God's God's hand was withdrawn, if you like, or His sword is given over. You could put it that way. So, what's the response of the people? Cry and wail, son of man, for it will be against my people, against all the princes of Israel. And we've talked about this before, but in Ezekiel, they don't call him kings. He's got a scepter, but he's not a king. He's a prince. So he's like a steward. No, he's been demeaned. Yes, they are kings, but, they, but Ezekiel is only referring to them as princes. Yeah, as an insult. Yep. Terrors, including the sword, will be against my people. Therefore, strike your thighs. So I don't know how that looks, but that apparently means something. Anybody? It's probably something. It's when you get really mad, I think you see it. Like in a, I've seen, I, I think I've seen it in a movie or something, right? When they're, when they're having a, um, what do you call it when two warring parties are, are in treating with each other for a treaty? Yeah, and the one gets mad and strikes his, you know, hits his knee, that kind of thing. Like anger, in anger. Now, maybe not very recent, but like, in maybe like the last century, like, like striking your thigh was like in relation to like great um, hilarity or huh. knee slapper. Yeah, this is not funny. This is not a knee slapper. All right, because it is a testing, and oh, so there you go. What did what did ESV say? A testing or yeah. Uh, for it will, yeah, will not be a testing. What? Here it says it is a testing, and there it says it is not a testing. This is one of the advantages to New King James as well. I, they were really close to using it in all our worship resources with LSB, but the licensing fee was a little bit too much. Yeah, which is a shame, because the thing that New King James does for you is it italicizes words that are assumed. Yeah, so it is... Um, it, they're assuming that, but you saw ESV assumed it was it is not that it was negated. Well, that's a totally different meaning. So, yeah. Um, and what if despises even the scepter? That's how you, that's how the Hebrew reads. You're like, well, I don't know what that means. So you must be saying, what if the sword? See, all right. Anyway, the scepter shall be, and then it says shall be shall be no. You're like shall be no shall be no what what? So they're smoothing it out for you. The Hebrew is really rough. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, and like, like I said, poetry is intentionally kind of vague. So this is one interpretation. There's a lot of inference here. Yeah, there's a lot of inference. The scepter shall be no more. But I think that's a pretty good inference because that's what happens to the kingdoms. They're done. Right? Until who gets returned? We, somewhere. I remember the king's name. That gets, comes back under um, Cyrus. You, therefore, son of man, prophesy, strike your hands together, or clap your hands, right? Right, but this is like when the king says it's time, and then do it, right? That's what that means. He doesn't mean like, yay, or yeah, golf clap. clap your hands in like Thanksgiving. No. Or if you were, if you were uh, Captain uh, Picard, make it so. Yeah, that's what it means. All right. Yeah, the third time let the sword do double damage. So that's totally different than ESV. <laughs> what did ESV say? Strike twice. But or maybe three times? Yeah. Twice. Yeah. But here it's the third time let the sword do double damage. It is the sword that slays, the sword that slays great, the great men. They enter their private chambers. 
I have set the point of the sword against their gates that the heart may melt and many may stumble. And then again, it ends the same way it begins. This is good poetry, right? We had it flashing at the beginning and it was sharp. Remember? It was like lightning. And here at the end again, ah, it's made bright. It's grasped for slaughter. Swords at the ready. Thrust right. Set your blade. Thrust left. Wherever your edge is ordered. That's not like ESV at all, was it? Well, it says ah, is made like lightning. Right, but you see how they smoothed out verse 16? Cut yeah. sharply to the right. Set yourself to the left, wherever your face is directed. And, and the interpreters, I mean, all, all translation is interpretation. But here they're like, no, these are the, these are the, battle, these are the battle directions. Yeah. You know, they're kind of abrupt like that. And notice there's no italicized. So this is a literal translation here, pretty much. Wherever your edge is ordered. All right, then he beats, beat his fist together. And I will cause my fury to rest. I, the Lord, have spoken. All right, very famous section called the Song of the Sword. Lots of stuff written about it. Not a lot of people understand what's going on. But I think you're right. I think we could, we could say this is, um, this is the work of, uh, that God does by, by way of the edge of the law, right? The, the law being that sword's edge that slays, right? And everyone dies. I mean, that's the, pro that's the point. I think we made that point. Didn't I make that point? Yeah, even Christians, right? At, at God's doing. All right, he gives life, he takes away life. Quote Job, blessed be the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And the distinction is the faithful are given resurrection. Uh, this would be a lovely place to remind you that um, all those that are slain in chapter 37 will be resurrected. The Valley of Dry Bones. Ah, yeah, see? So we just haven't gotten there yet. You'll get there. The gospel comes later, the resurrection, right? But here, um, they're just going to be bones in the field is all that's going to be left. Oh, see, there's no yeah. is, that, is that a vision or is that like actually happening? I was never sure. Well, if you want the corollary passage from the Gospels, did the, did the dead come out of the tombs after the resurrection, as Matthew records, or didn't they? Yeah, see? Matthew is referring to Ezekiel 37. I mean, it's clear. The promise of the resurrection is resurrection for everyone. And so he has people coming out and appearing to people. I mean, did it happen? I say it did, but why is Matthew the only one that records it? Because it seems like the kind of thing you would remember. Unless Matthew has in mind Jesus as the fulfillment of all the prophets. This, this chapter is the Jew of Jews. Yeah, yeah, it's the Lord who slayed all those righteous people. Yep. All right, and this one's going to be pretty clear. So it won't take us too long. The word of the Lord came to me again. Third oracle. Yeah. I mean, if you couldn't have a more obvious visual, right? And then it splits, and then it splits, right? And then you got the signpost at the, what is it? This way or this way, right? The signpost at the, at yeah. the intersection, right? <laughs> Rabbah, yeah. Rabbah, the Ammonites, and the Judites, the fortified Jerusalem. For the king of Babylon stands at the parting of the road. There he is, standing right there. Yep. At the fork of the two roads, to, to use divination. He shakes the air. He consults the images. He looks at the liver.
divination for Jerusalem. Sorry, I'm going to scroll up here. To call for a slaughter to lift the voice of shouting. By the way, that's all the things that they actually did when they when they lay siege to Jerusalem. Yeah. And it will be to them like a cost to the nation in the eyes of those who have sworn oaths to them. They use divination in the other way you'll Oh yeah. Sue's saying probably. But he will bring their iniquity to remembrance. That they may be taken. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have made your iniquity to be remembered, and that your transgressions are uncovered, so that in all your doings your sins appear. Because you have come to remembrance, you shall be taken in hand. We had we did talk about transgressions being uncovered. We went over that with the one lady in Jerusalem, right? Jerusalem, the lady who uncovered herself, you know, for her. Uh, her, her men. Now to you, O profane, wicked prince of Israel, whose day has come, whose iniquity shall end. Thus says the Lord God, remove the turban and take off the crown. Nothing shall remain the same. Exalt the humble and humble the exalted. Huh? Overthrown, uh -huh. overthrown. I will make it overthrown. You get the point? Yeah. It shall be no longer until he comes whose right it is, and I will give it to you. Ooh, now this is an important section, isn't it? We'll come back to that song. All right, let's go back up to the beginning. Um, so again, we have the crossroads. I already hinted as to what's going on, but like we know who this king of Babylon is, it's Nebuchadnezzar, and we know that he had the choice to either conquer the Ammonites first or Judah first, and Ammonites would be to the south, Jerusalem's to the north, more north, northward, right? And so um, use your divination, that bothers people. Yeah. You know, because it's like, well, why didn't God just immediately speak to Nebuchadnezzar and tell him, conquer Jerusalem first? Well, one, Nebuchadnezzar doesn't trust in the God of Israel. <laughs> um, and can God use his own, like, ta tossing dice, use it for his good? Yeah, even looking at the liver, whatever that means. Yeah, they would sacrifice some animal and look at it. They had images, shaking arrows. I mean, uh, we, some of this stuff, especially in, in, in Appalachia, is still, well, is still kind of big. Like, there are people with the divining rods, right? Yeah. To find water, does it work? Yeah. Sure. sure seems to. <laughs> yeah, it's divination here, too. He consults the teraphim. What are teraphim? Household idols. Oh, okay, that's fun. All right, so then he's got right hand and left hand, and he's got different ways to decide between the two, right? If it falls this way, if it looks this way, I go to the right. If it's this way, I go to the left, right? I mean, you've got to make a choice as a king. Barring any other information, just pick one, right? And use. Uh, you think of um, the disciples after uh, Jesus ascended and before uh, Pentecost, and they appoint Matthias. Remember, how do they choose Matthias? There's Cap. Well, right. They had two that were qualified according to their qualifications. They had been with Jesus since the baptism in the Jordan by John. Just cast lots. Yeah, you can't pick. Um, yeah, Emmanuel and Terre Haute. Pastor Sutton, who's now on disability, so they have a new pastor, who also is a coffee customer, um, but uh, Terre Haute, Indiana. Um, but the previous pastor, he, he, went, he had really, he was, in, he was in a coma with COVID stuff. Well, they put him on a ventilator, which the pneumonia about killed him because the ventilator about kills you. Anyway, that's behind us now, hopefully. Uh, but he's like, his lungs are permanently scarred from what the treatment they gave him. Treatment. 
Um, yeah. But anyway, um, he had been a vicar of the congregation, and when the, when the pastor of like 30-some years had retired, they just put the, all their vicars in a hat, and they just drew names and called them. And I think he was the second one that they called. They're like, we don't know, but we know all these guys. How else are you going to pick somebody? I don't know. They were all good. We trained them, right? We taught them how to be, you know, our pastor taught them to be a pastor. It would be a good transition, right? So they, they just picked one. So they drew his name, and they called him, and he accepted some. I mean, it's as good a way of call process as any, because we generally overthink it, and then, you know, you're going to get, whatever you get isn't the person you interviewed. We'll just put it that way. Or what you thought you interviewed is not the person that you get. Hopefully it's better, but don't, don't, don't say anything, Don. All right. Uh, All right, so, yeah, so he uses that divination um, Nebuchadnezzar, whatever. And Ezekiel records this. I don't think it's recorded elsewhere. So that's interesting, right? It's like, like I can't figure out what to do, so make up some stuff. Don't take apart your tie, James. All right. Um, all right. And then the Lord God, you've made your sins, right? I'm bringing them to remembrance, right? This is Adam, you know, where are you? Who told you you were naked? That kind of stuff. Yeah. Sounds familiar, right? And then the king is removed. We know this happens to Zechariah. Is that right? Is that the king? I wrote down which king it is. Zedekiah, sorry. Zechariah is a different guy. Zedekiah. All right. And then there is this question about, uh, which is going to come up here at the end, about, oh, where did we go? I went too far. Oh, I'm in the wrong translation. Sorry. The, uh, that little song at the end. There it is. Yeah. So remember what the promise made to Judah by Jacob, right? Jacob gave his blessings to all the sons. Judah, you remember the promise made to Judah in Genesis 49? About the scepter? Mm, maybe we should go look at it. All right. Genesis 49, I think 10 maybe. Yep, there it is. Right? This is to Judah, uh, and you have to, I think you have to deal with it. Right? Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down, he lies down as a lion, as a lion who shall rouse him. The scepter, there it is, shall not depart from Judah. Well, wait a minute. I thought he, the sword was cutting the scepter in two. In the, huh. Until Shiloh comes, or nor a lawgiver from between his feet. That's the, oh, you saw this with, what's his name? Charles the third. Remember he was holding the, the scepter? Or not the scepter, the, the the orb. Yeah, the orb. Right, between his it was on it was on his lap, between his knees. Yeah. This is where they get that, by the way. Until Shiloh comes. Ah, what is Shiloh? And to him shall be the obedience of the people. Who's Shiloh? Oh, I just gave it away. It's not a place, it's a person. Ah. And to him shall be the obedience of the people, binding his donkey to the vine, his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk, because he uses those whitening strips. No. Hey, it's Jesus. Yeah, who's Shiloh? Jesus, right? So the scepter does not depart from Judah until Jesus comes. So now go back to Ezekiel 21 verse, what was it? 21. Three or something. 
Somewhere in there. Oh, we're close. 25. Overthrown, overthrown. Oh, by the way, you, you did stumble, or you noticed, exalt the humble and humble the exalted. I gave you all the citations for that, but that's, that's Hannah's song, that's Mary's song, that's Isaiah. It's all over the place, right? Or Jesus. You know, friend, come up higher. Remember the parable? Don't take the higher seat, but that's why everybody sits in back in church, because they want pastor to come down and say, come, sit up at the front. I should just do that every week now. Friend, we have seats at the front. Come. Seat in the place, sit in the place of honor. They won't do it. <laughs> this is my seat. This is where I always sit. This is where I can hear things. Whatever. Okay, fine. All right. Uh, but you have that mountains being made low, low places made up high. Yeah. Everything made a plain. Overthrown, overthrown. I will make it overthrown. It shall be no longer until he, and just say Shiloh there if you want, comes whose right it is, and I will give it to him. Oh, ruin, ruin, ruin. Yeah. Yeah. So who is Shiloh? Who belongs to, who's the scepter ultimately belong to? But to Jesus, yeah. But you can imagine like for that intervenient period between when Jerusalem's destroyed and when the Messiah comes, there's, there's a lot of people doubting that God is actually going to keep that promise to Judah. Because you've got Herod on the throne. He's not from Judah. Right? He's not of David's lineage. Yeah. So it seems like the scepter has departed, doesn't it? But little did they know the scepter is being maintained, right? In this little house. And then, yes, and then it's his eternally, right? Good. All right, and then uh, is this the last one? Yes. Okay, good. It's only four verses. And you, son of man, prophesy and say, thus says the Lord God concerning the Ammonites. All right, so Jerusalem's destroyed because <laughs> he went to the right. But what about the Ammonites? Okay. Uh, concerning, and concerning their reproach and say, a sword, a sword is drawn, polished for slaughter. This sounds familiar. For consuming, for flashing, while they see false visions for you, while they divine a lie to you, to bring you on the necks of the wicked, the slain, whose day has come, whose iniquity shall end. That almost makes no sense. But there you go. Yeah. Um, it sounds like, like um, the Ammonites were, I mean, they were collaborating with Judah, but it sounds like they kind of conspired then against Judah with Nebuchadnezzar. I think that might actually be true. You have to go read about it and uh, wherever that's recorded, Chronicles. I mean, this is how this stuff goes. They double cross, right? Isn't that what we call it? A double crossing? No. We don't call it that? When you double cross? Yeah, all the time. Well, I mean, you've got to pick the winning team if you don't want to be destroyed. But here... Ammon is going to get their destruction too. And there's probably more we could say about the Ammonites, but that's probably fine. So like when they were saying earlier that the sword to the right, the sword to the left, just get involved. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then, um, yeah, their day will come to an end and their iniquity also. (laughs) Oh, well. Then return it to its sheath. And that's obviously the sword. I will judge you in the place where you were created, in the land of your nativity. Ooh. I will pour out my indignation on you. I will blow against you with the fire of my wrath and deliver you into the hands of brutal men who are skillful to destroy. You shall be fuel for the fire. Your blood shall be in the midst of the land. You shall not be remembered, for I, the Lord, have spoken. Right? That's to Ammon. Right? But I, all of this, it just... You can't help but hear of that language from Isaiah, and we'll get it later, similar language in Ezekiel later, 
of like Christ coming forth from, from the rubble, basically, right? He comes from the stump of Jesse. The tree's been cut down. And yet here comes this seedling sprouting out of the stump, right? Or Jesus being coming out of, out of the rubble of Jerusalem. A temple is being raised up, right? A new temple, but not made with hands, right? All that kind of language. It's like there's all, everything's just leveled. And so that all that remains that can come is Christ. You can't put trust in princes. You can't put trust in, in lineage or land or there's no indication of God's favor really by the time of Jesus is born. But that's a good thing because then you can't trust in it either. And yet they still do. We're sons of Abraham. And you're like, how are you a son of Abraham? <laughs> you don't have faith like Abraham. Yeah. Wow. Pretty brutal chapter. Uh, it gets worse. Don't worry. But you need to see a meme. So where did it go? Okay, I'm going to find it here. Uh, where did I see it, though? This is the question. I have to find the meme. Uh, I thought it would be really appropriate. But I see too many memes, and now I don't know how to find it. Grand old memes, maybe? No, it's not that one. What? Well, who posted it? It was really funny. Uh, it's probably one of these ones that... Don't spend time on social media, people. Don't do it. Oh, it was really funny. If only I knew where it was. Oh, well. It was pretty cool. It was a girl. She was hitting the pinata. She hits it, and the candy starts coming out. But she's blindfolded, and she keeps swinging, and all the kids are rushing to get the candy while she keeps swinging. And then it cuts to some, uh, I think it was Transformers, where the guy's got some big sword, and he's cutting everybody down around him. Because you could just imagine the little girl is... Just keep swinging, and all the people are rushing to get their candy. You've been there, pinata. Somebody's got to get there quick before <laughs> people are getting whacked with the stick. All right. Anyway, you'll just have to imagine it. It was funny. All right. So, what's the comfort here? Is there comfort? Oh, I put comfort at the end. Don and Karen want to leave. Yeah. See ya. Chapter concludes that God's final word is not the sword. It must be sheathed. Like all the kingdoms of this world, Babylon must ultimately fall. We'll see that later on. But God's eternal kingdom will not. Jerusalem too will fall, but exiles will return from the graves of the exile. There's chapter 37. Christ as antitype in Israel, humanity reduced to one, will also enter the grave. So he's cut down in the same way, right? But will rise victoriously on the third day. And this is the heart of the Christian creed, that all who are baptized into him and believe will rise with him. They will not be forgotten, but they will reign as kings and priests with him through all eternity. All right? But it's, it's assumed. But not yet. <laughs> we haven't heard it yet. Nice? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, good, that's a better pace probably than trying to do too much in here. Tell you word by word what's going on. So, All right. That's it. Go away now. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.